The transcendent power of joy. Very often, if you really want to appreciate something, it's a good exercise. Think of it like a scientific experiment of to envision life without that thing that you're appreciating. What would life be like if there was absolutely no such concept as joy? Have you ever think about it? Similar question. What would life be like if there was no music, no melody, no song in, in existence? Now, I know some people, unfortunately, live very tragic lives, have suffered greatly, and they'll say, well, I'm a person like that. But it's very rare and very hard to imagine someone completely devoid of any form of joy, not one memory, not one experience, from childhood till this day, that didn't have one joyous element in it. What is the point of this experiment? No, it's not to say, no matter how sad life may be, it could be worse if there was absolutely no joy. It's to appreciate what joy actually is and what happiness is in our lives. And as a good scientist, what do you do? When you want to understand and appreciate every ingredient in any type of compound or equation you eliminate one of the ingredients and see what, what is the result. So what would the result be? The result would be a life that wasn't just sad. There was no hope. There'd be no element of transcendence, of being able to rise above the routines and the monotony of life. So even if no tragedy struck, and even if there was no catastrophe, the lack of joy would mean that exuberant spirit, that bubbly element in human nature, that buoyant, that buoyancy in our spirits, would no longer would not would not exist. It's almost almost impossible to imagine, because as I said, even though we may have sad days, we may have grief in our lives and we may have loss and God should protect us from all of that but we also have moments of joy, moments of deep satisfaction deep happiness, celebration birth of a child reaching a certain milestone in life marrying off a child your own marriage, falling in love so yes, love often comes side by side with grief I remember once being invited speak in the West Coast, and the program director asked me, through all your experience, what are the two top topics that people are interested in? So without hesitating, they're always the same two. The first is love, sexuality, intimacy, marriage, relationships. And the second, I said, was sadness and depression and anxiety. And without missing a beat, she says, those aren't two different topics. They're all part of one topic. Yes, because when there's a lot of love, there's also a possibility when you're vulnerable of being very hurt. But we cannot deny the joy, the, the profound connection that we have when we feel love and when we give love. So what would life be without joy? We couldn't even imagine it. Because as sad as life may be for many of us today, there's still elements of hope, there's always glimmers and glimpses, and sometimes much more than that, of celebration. I would pose the question perhaps this way. 
What would life be without transcendence? Without transcendence. Now let me explain what that means. That we, ha- we have needs to survive, we all know. We need to eat, we need to drink, we need to sleep, we need to pay our bills, we need to have, to have shelter, clothing, other forms of sustenance. We need love, we need acceptance. The list goes on. These are needs that allow us to survive, that allow us to just be, to exist. They're not necessarily transcendent in nature. As a matter of fact, if you were a person that was just getting the necessary, the necessary amounts of sustenance and all those levels I just described, you would be existing, you'd be surviving, but you would not be thriving. Because there's another part of human nature, which we call transcendent part of the human being, that requires things that are beyond our needs. Where we seek something that's beyond us. Not just satisfying a physical or material need. Now some of us seek out that transcendence through literature, through poetry, through music, through art, through travel, through different hobbies. Some through spirituality and religion. In many different ways. Some through love and romance and sexuality and intimacy. But there's a component that if you take away that element of transcendence, the mere fact that we have animal bliss would not satisfy a human being. Yeah, for a moment it may be great, and sometimes we're envious actually of animal bliss, because there's no worries in the world, no neurosis, no phobias, no fears, no insecurities, no need for therapy, no need for reviewing an interaction you had, a positive one, a negative one. No need for dealing with matters of love and matters of falling in love and out of love and the challenges and the vulnerabilities. Does she like me? Does he like me? Does he not? Does she not? And so on and so forth. Animal bliss. So someone who's in an anxious state, in a state where there's many uh, ups and downs, may find animal bliss as an envious position to be in. But a human being cannot last long there. Because there's a part of our restless spirit that seeks, that searches, that yearns, that longs, that pines for something greater than just survival. And that we are calling under the rubric, the general term, transcendence. What would life be without transcendence? I don't know if we could survive. Because there would be no hope. There would be nothing to look forward to. There would be nothing to aspire to. It's like, it's like a life without dreams, a life without aspirations, without longings, without some idealistic destination you'd like to reach. It's almost impossible to fathom that a human spirit could survive without some form of transcendence. So replace now the word transcendence with joy, because joy is essentially, at its heart, transcendence. The ability to just To just, I'm looking for the right word, to just unbridle yourself and free yourself in a dance, in a song. It doesn't even have to express itself that way. It's just a sense of a spirit that is afloat, that is soaring, that can rise above the quotidian and feel something great, fresh air, hope, aspiring to something greater than we are. We'll, of course, discuss this a little more 
what this, uh, the transcendent power of joy is about by understanding what transcendence is. But I'm using specifically terms that all of us can relate to. So fill in the blanks. Every one of us has a need for that, and every one of us, when we experience something transcendent, feels that sense of freshness, feels new, refreshed, reinvigorated, recharged, take on the world. Now often when we're younger people, when we're younger, we have more of that. You see the enthusiasm, the exuberance, the, the, the idealism that young people have. We get older, just as our arteries harden, many people's beliefs and aspirations and hopes also harden. We become more cynical, more skeptical, more jaded, more resigned. To the point that some will say, I threw in the towel. Yes, I once used to dream. I once had hopes. But then I realized life is not always what you dream of. And I'm satisfied if I can just get by without being hurt. There are people who actually say that. And they see that as the realism of life. That the other part was a dream. It was like a dream, yes, a midsummer night dream of a young child, of a young adult, thinking and dreaming of love, and everything is beautiful. But is that indeed true, that we're now more mature and more realistic? Or maybe we're, we, our spirit has been somewhat tamed. The volume has gone down, and that natural exuberant spirit which is the birthright of every human being, is just simply dormant or undercover, or at least in some way been compromised, which of course is the truth, because the spirit of a human being does not in any way get defeated or weakened. It's our attitude that can be defeated, that we can be resigned. But our spirit? Why would our spirit in any way ever become weaker. So it's about psychological attitude. And here enter joy. When we speak about joy, so most people think joy is just, it happens to be random. A random thing comes and goes. Sometimes I have reasons to be happy. Sometimes I don't have reasons. Sometimes I'm just joyous without any reason. And we don't feel we really can control it. Because we don't see it as like a force within us that I can access you see it as circumstantial. Something happens to you that happens to bring you joy. So your boss gives you a raise. You get a compliment. You move into a new home. A new opportunity comes your way. An investment yields a serious return. These things are factors. These are causes that cause you to be happy for that day at least or for that week. How long it lasts, it all depends. But there's another understanding of joy as being transcendence. It's part of the transcendent nature of your soul. It's natural for you to be a joyous person. We spoke about this more at length in previous classes last week and two weeks ago, where joy is and happiness is, acqui- is inherent or acquired. And of course, with the conclusion that it is inherent. So in that context, joy is not just what happens to you. It's not just based on circumstances that are in your control or not in your control, but it's essentially part of the very nature of being alive. So someone say, are you alive? Yes, I'm alive. I don't feel that alive. But life is an inherent part of who you are. And together with life comes joy. So joy is not devoid, not separate from, not divorced from, of life. Life, by definition, is a joyous experience. 
you'll say, one second, what do you mean life is a joyous experience? I have constantly experiences that are not so happy experiences. And actually some are quite sad and quite tragic even. That's the events that happen. But the spirit itself is a transcendent entity. And this is the way the mystics explain it based on a verse in the book of Proverbs. Beautiful verse. The soul of a human being is the flame of God. It's a divine flame. Well, look at a flame. Someone to say, does a flame flicker? Is that something that is acquired? Or is that natural and inherent to the flame? Of course it's inherent. And the spirit is the same. It flickers. And it defies gravity. And it's always seeking more. That is the nature of the human spirit. And that is the nature of joy. Because joy always sees and looks up and says, oh, how much more there is to accomplish, how much more there is to gain. A life without joy is a life the flame is extinguished. The flame is extinguished. That can be, you can have your flame, you can be biologically alive, but emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually, you can feel dead, like a zombie. So in that sense, transcendence is the capacity to reach up, to see, to envision, to dream. Yes, to dream about a reality greater than your survival and your immediate here and now. So joy is much more than just, okay, let's dance, let's sing. That's a part of the expression of it. It's a state of mind, a state of being, where you're in touch with the flame, that transcendent flame that defines who you are. Someone that's in touch with that 24-7 is someone that's constantly in a state of joy. There are times where it's expressed in a very overt way, but there are other times it's more internal. So it's essentially being in touch with a flame that is constantly moving. Because if you think about it, everything that's not joyous and not happy in life is also stagnates, is static. It doesn't move. The exact opposite of a flame a flame constantly flickering, constantly restless, constantly licking the air, reaching upward. The, the antithesis of that is a couch potato, doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. Everything in nature is doing something. It's always on its way to another place. Winter leads to spring, and spring leads to summer, and summer leads to autumn, and autumn leads to winter again. In each season itself, there's constant movement, constant mobility. Some of it we can recognize, some of it we don't recognize. Some of it's beneath the surface. It's brimming with energy. Pulsating energy defines existence itself. As soon as something is pulsating, as something is constantly on the move in that sense, right there you don't have the ability for stagnation and therefore for deterioration and ultimately perish perishing, and death. Life is defined by movement, and joy is defined by movement. You'll see a person who's happy and joyous is not, I necessarily would use the word restless, but they're on the move. They're not just sitting around or waiting, what's going to happen? There's a certain motivation, a certain drive. It's like the machine is rolling and working. So there, in that context, joy is synonymous with very nature, very fabric, the very essence and fiber of what life is all about. And it is part of the transcendent nature that makes us human. So, 
If you see somebody all day dancing and partying, you know, very often we'll say there's something wrong with this person. Maybe they're a clown, and maybe we know that clowns sometimes have very sad lives. They may be just masking and escaping reality and life. But when we talk about joy that I'm describing, I'm not describing some external form of uh, seeming like seemingly person putting up a show that they're happy. It's a constant sense of the movement and the transcendence of life. And when you have that, there's a constant optimism that permeates who you are and everything that you do. This is who we are. This is our, na- our natural state. So too, when someone says, I don't feel happy, I don't feel joyous, I don't see why I should be happy. Look at my life. So one of the ways to work your way through that is instead of focusing on joy and happiness, which may be more difficult to gain and access, let's talk about transcendence. Do you also see no transcendence in your life? Why am I saying that? Because it's easier. Even though some people say, no, I'm not in the mood. I'm barely surviving. I'm barely breathing. I'm barely making it day to day. But transcendence is easier to work on because transcendence feeds another part of a person like saying, let me show you something. You open up a book of photographs. Someone says, wow, look at this. Sights of the seven wonders, images of faces, portraits, landscapes. There's something that it affects. I'm just using that as an example. Another example. Take someone to a um, club, music club. Let's, let's, Let's listen to some music. Jazz light music, whatever the music may be. Everybody responds to some of these experiences. Even a person may be despondent. Why? Why do they respond? And they may fight it. They respond because there's a natural pulse. There's a natural rhythm to the soul. And when music is played, or you see, or other senses are stimulated, whether it's photography or art, or other forms of stimulation, it touches and resonates in that part of your soul. It's not like a new thing. What's the point? That doesn't mean you can sustain it, because if a person's really in a somber place, they almost won't let anything in. But that's not letting it in. doesn't mean it's not there. So instead of using the word joy, let's use the word transcendence. Is there an element of constant movement within your being, within your psyche? Some will say, no, you know what? I just sat home all day, I did nothing. And yet, and you feel miserable. Why? Because it's not the natural state of your soul. It's movement. Movement is the natural state. So what has happened here? Basically, if you want to visualize it, you can say a flame that was flickering and restless and constantly in motion has now been trapped inside a box. Imagine putting a flame inside of a container. Besides the fact, once you deprive it of oxygen, it will burn out. But let's, for argument's sake, you allow enough oxygen in. What will happen? The flame will feel like you're trapped inside of a basement, like someone locked you inside of a box where you want to be moving around. Think of it, God forbid, someone puts you in a box where you can barely move. How long could you last? God forbid. Why? Because your natural state is expansiveness, movement, mobility, stretching yourself out, spreading your wings. So now let's not make the box a physical box. Let's make it a psychological box. Many of us box ourselves in a psychological box, and what do we say? We feel miserable. Why? Because the, 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 it's the equivalent of a real box. Why is it bothering you? 
Nobody gets comfortable with it. They may feel it's their only choice. They may feel I don't have any other option. But why don't we get comfortable? Because it's not who we are. A human being is a moving, mobile entity. And to try to contain it and hold it captive goes against the very grain of nature. So what we have to look at ourselves is that when we're experiencing any form of really grief or any form of... I don't want to use grief because I'm not talking about a situation where there was a tragedy. Let's talk about a form of despondence, of anxiety, of an ongoing depression. And we're also not addressing clinical depression. There you may need medication, you may need other interventions. When you see that, you know what that is? It's the equivalent of a soul on fire being trapped inside of a box. And that cannot be in any way healthy for a human being. It's disconcerting, disorienting, demoralizing. All the Ds. Why? Because you're taking the natural capacity. Think of a bird. Wants to fly and you tie down its wings, God forbid. You don't let it out of its box. That's the equivalent. So you're taking a transcendent, mobile, pulsating entity and you're forcing it to not move. Or you're impeding its movement. That's what happens when our own depression and our own sense of fear and anxiety and other forces that weaken our resolve, that's what it does. And that's important to visualize because you need to know what's happening. It's not just you're in a bad mood. You're actually in a box. Contrast that now with a natural human being. The natural human being, look at a child. I always bring up the template of the child. A child... What's about? Imagine suddenly parents, God forbid, or somebody saying the child, lock them up in a corner and don't let them move. The assurim, the 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 uh, the torture that would create for this child. Why? Because the child is a naturally moving explorer. So what happens as adults? As adults, we don't necessarily feel that movement that much, but anything that impedes our way is exactly the same type of cruelty. It's the same type of torture. Because it goes against the grain of the transcendent soul, of the flame, of the flickering flame, of the restless spirit. Now, to, just to qualify, restless does not mean to extremes. If it goes to peaks and valleys, that's extremes. But we all need that measure of angst. We all need to be able to look up and say there's more to life. There's more than what I have. And I want it. And then when you gain that to climb, the, to climb the mountain and see even broader horizons, that's what life is about. That's the acquisition of knowledge, acquisition of experience, acquisition of emotional, emotional, broader, emotion, broader emotional horizons. This is all part of the natural state of the human being, and all of it is related to joy. Because that's what joy is, that's what the, the results in joy is when you experience that type of freedom, that type of spreading of your wings. So when you think of life as saying, okay, I don't know what to be, make myself happy, I would say, why don't you make yourself transcendent? And transcendence will lead you to happiness. Now transcendence, of course, means to think about, not about yourself, but about that which is beyond yourself. The more you connect to that, the more joy and happiness comes into life. So joy and happiness, because it's all about transcendence, is not about focusing that I don't have it. 
Transcendence is the, by definition means you don't have it. You're seeking something beyond what you have. So you want to own that, you want to have that, then it's not transcendent. You want to experience it. You want to be able to see it. But you want it to be able to lift you up and help you soar to places beyond where you are right now. Animal bliss, I'm fine where I am, I don't need to make any moves. Now when people are not getting what they dream of, often they resort to or they want to have animal bliss. They'll numb themselves, they'll undermine themselves, they'll be self-destructive because you don't want to fail and you don't want to be in, you don't want to be in pain. But that's the worst possible thing. That would be like the person in the box, trapped, and deciding, you know what? Let me stop trying to free myself. Let me just be resigned. This is life. Then it gets to the level where the Baal of the great master, the great mystic, the founder of the Hasidic movement says is the level of haster aster as ponai. That my face, I concealed the concealment of my face. What does that mean? It's concealed is concealed. That there's two levels of concealment, he explains. One is it's concealed. You're looking for revelation, you're looking for some beautiful experience, but it's concealed. It's not accessible. But at least you know it's not accessible. What happens when the concealment conceals the fact that it's concealed? Not, you, you, not that you know that you don't know, you don't even know that you don't know. So you can convince yourself that sweet is bitter, and bitter is sweet, and darkness is light, and concealment is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is a revelation. That's when we get into real trouble. Because then there's, you closed off the door, where you convince yourself you're being in the box, your wings are not allowed to, are being, are being impeded from spreading. Your natural flickering, restless spirit has all been crushed, and you're happy. You convince yourself, that's fine, it's perfectly fine. Then the concealment has been concealed. And then it's a lot more difficult because you don't even acknowledge there's a problem. Why would you go for help? Everything is fine. And if you say, what do you mean it's fine? You were once such an excited, excitable and robust and driven person. Okay, I was young, naive. Now I realize you don't always get what you want. Then, we, then the difficulty begins because, well, I can't say it begins. That makes it far more difficult because you convince yourself it's all normal. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being miserable. You convince yourself miserable is not necessarily miserable. But it can't work. It won't work. Because the spirit will have its day. It will demand. It will beckon. It will make you crazy. It will make you anxious. You'll feel hungry for something that you're lacking. There'll be a sense of a void, a deep void. Now sometimes that can lead, God forbid, to negative things too because then we try to numb that void. We try to push it away. When in truth, sensing it and feeling it is actually your salvation. So this is who we are, my friends. Transcendent, joyous, naturally joyous, transcendent individuals. You're looking for joy and happiness? Look for transcendence. Look for something that's outside of yourself. Help somebody else. Volunteer. Be part of a cause that's greater than your own needs and your own survival. All these will feed that transcendent flame that's within you and give it power, the fuel, 
to start spreading and not allowing itself to resign itself and surrender to the trappings and to the tentacles that keep us down. My heart goes out whenever I see such tremendous potential in a person. And who doesn't have tremendous potential? And the person may not even be aware of it. Even if they're slightly aware, they're not doing much about it. Whatever reason. We are all, each of you, each of us, every person, is brimming with tremendous resources, tremendous power, tremendous energy. But we've been convinced, or we convinced ourselves, or life has convinced us, or society has convinced us, or others who have failed convince us because it makes them feel better that they have company. Then, no, we don't have either we don't have that potential, or it's a fantasy, or that even if we do, there's no way we can access it in this lifetime. This is a crime. This is the greatest crime you can do to yourself. Because you do have it all. Be someone trying to convince you you can't run the marathon when you can. In this case, marathon is allowing your wings to spread, allowing your voice to sing. Every single one of us has a unique, indispensable voice that you and only you can express. Life, quote-unquote life, and all these challenges does so much to try to suppress that voice. Sometimes it's deliberate, because it may be threatening, it may be uh, exposing other people's weaknesses, whatever the reason may be, the peer pressure and the, to conform. Or it may not even be deliberate and intentional. It may just be by osmosis, by the collective, the collective mediocrity of life that just affects us, and the blind leading the blind. But what's being lost in the process? Your flame, your joy, your exuberance, your enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Imagine having enthusiasm at full throttle. That is your birthright. You have that right now. And life often breaks us. It was Hemingway that said, life breaks all people and some are stronger in the broken places. He apparently wasn't one of the some. Because then he proceeded to take his own life. The irony of ironies. But the statement is true. It does break people. And some are stronger in the broken places. Who are the some? The ones that don't allow those experience, experiences to damper. To put a damper and dampen their enthusiasm. To always maintain that sparkle in the eye. That energetic enthusiasm, which is the nature of the spirit. To take on the day, seize the day. Take on new challenges. Learn new things. Discover new hobbies. Travel to new places. Either physically or emotionally or intellectually. To allow the spirit of the human being to be the dominant force. In the words of Ecclesiastes, that the spirit of the human rises above, the spirit of the animal descends below. We have those two options all the time. Famous story I share often. It's in the first chapter in Torah the Meaning for Life. The Tzamech Tzedek was once a great Rebbe, the third Chabad Rebbe, was playing with other children on a ladder. You know, children playing on a ladder, they climb back and forth. All the children were afraid to climb to the top of the ladder. 
Tzamech Tzedek. No problem, he climbed to the top. His grandfather, Reb Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the great Alter Rebbe, Balatanya Shulchan Aruch, saw, was witnessing this game, called over his grandson afterwards and said, so tell me, why were all the other children afraid, afraid to climb to the top and you climbed to the top? He said, very simple, Zayda, Grandpa. All the other children, as they were climbing, they kept looking down. So they saw how high they were. They were afraid to climb higher. It was a new territory, unknown. So they stopped. I, who was, when I was climbing, I kept looking up. So I saw how much more there is, and it motivated me to climb even higher. We have these two choices every moment in our lives. We can look down. We can look at people who have accomplished less than we. Sometimes you go to a party, an event, and you see people have accomplished less. Is that a motivator? No. Then you say to yourself, hey, look what I've done compared to them. I don't have to do much more. Then you go to a party or an event, and you meet people who have accomplished more than you. You're looking up, and there's even a tinge of jealousy that motivates you. You know what? Look what they've accomplished. And look where I am, comparatively speaking. So we all have a choice. Are we going to look back and down? Or are we going to look forward and up? And these are the two voices. The flame that looks up. Or the wick that grounds you. Now in truth you need a balance. You can't just be looking up because you need tension. A measure of angst and transcendence. But you need resolution to internalize it, to integrate it. But imagine a life of only internalizing and integrating and never looking up. What are you going to climb to? What are you going to aspire to? And that's where joy comes in, because whenever you're climbing, there's always an element of exuberance, of joy, of happiness. You may not be happy because you haven't achieved the goal yet, but there's something pushing you. And when you're looking down, then you're like, basically, you know what? I'm satisfied. I'm content. There's no need for a celebration. Yes, sometimes right after you finish a project, we celebrate the conclusion of a project. But how long can you ride on those fumes? So joy, transcendence are all part of that human spirit, that human condition. And the more we understand that this is who we are, that you are a bundle of joy and a bundle of optimism and a bundle of a transcendence, and that's your natural you, the more you understand that, the easier you come to terms. It's not like, okay, what am I going to do to become happy? What am I going to do to be joyous, to celebrate? I have to find something. It's you. It's like, what do you need to do to transcend? Just be yourself. Now we need friends, we need support, we need people who will give us the vote of confidence and join us and help us climb the ladder because sometimes when you're weak, you need someone to lean on, someone to prod you on, someone to coach you, someone to give you a pep talk, say let's run together. But run we must because that's the nature of the human being. Climb to climb. And climb is a joyous experience. It may be difficult, but it's happy. Everyone who's climbed in any level of climbing, ask them what they felt like in retrospect. They'll always say it was the best time of my life. Once you reach your destination, you reach the plateau, and then you coast, no, happiness does not come with that. Then you get into more of a status quo, more of a just maintaining. So yes, the transcendent power of joy. Tremendous power. What would life be without it? We would not be who we are. 
And no matter what you say about how sad or depressed your life is, you have a transcendence inside of you, and I assure you that you've experienced it. Maybe not often. Maybe you don't always control it, but you can. That's what we're here to tell you. Because it's part of who you are. That's the nature of the human being. So we're now in this month, coming literally, this is the week. We just came from Purim, the holiday. The most joyous holiday of all. It's complete, unbridled, and unfettered celebration of what? Of spirit. And interesting, it came after a very dark moment. A potential of almost total, utter genocide of the entire Jewish people. And that was transformed in one day from that terrible tragedy, potential tragedy, to beautiful light and joy and celebration. So when things like that happen, that, of course, wakes you up to the joy because you see the contrast. When things are riding, you can say, you know what, okay, things are fine, but you don't have that explosion of joy. But when it comes from a dark place, you were saved. You saw how dire things were, and suddenly you came out of the abyss. It's a whole different story. But that's not because an event happened. That's because the joy is always there. But those type of events are we wake-up calls. They reveal for us the inherent transcendence of who we really are. We don't need to wait for dark moments. Though, unfortunately, they are often the catalysts. Because we have it all the time. And that's what this holiday teaches us and joy teaches us. And this entire month teaches us that you don't need to wait for a dark moment. It's always there. And you need to push it. You need to initiate. You need to generate it. And what are you generating? Transcendence. Don't get trapped by the structures. So in a case where there's a really trying circumstances, like in the story of Purim, what gets you out of the structure of your own so-called coasting life is that you're saved from the dark so you appreciate the light. But in other times, the way to do this, the way to access it, is by recognizing that you are a transcendent creature. You're transcendent even when there's no decree to kill you and your family and your entire community, God forbid. You're always transcendent and mobile. Access that and you access joy. The transcendent power of joy. And what does it do for us? It lifts us up to another place. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want. When people say, I have no hope. I don't know what's going to be with my life. I feel so depressed. I feel so lost. I feel like a failure. The thing you want to convey to them, it's not the case. There's a bigger picture. It's exactly what they need to hear is the bigger picture. But they're so trapped. Their minds and mostly their emotions are not letting them see a broader horizon. And even if you can logically explain to them, listen, climb to the mountain, top of the mountain, and you'll see these broader horizons. Their emotions don't let them feel that way. No, I don't feel that way. I don't feel it's impossible. It's not for me. Yes, a metaphor I understand, but it's not for me personally. So I'm not suggesting it's easy, but I'm suggesting it's doable because it is their birthright. It is who they are. And what you want to do is try to provoke in a healthy way, in a sensitive way, in a caring and respectful way. Provoke in some way and stimulate the flame that's there. So either it's a competitive juice or it's something that intrigues them. Everybody's got their soft spot. 
Everybody's got their transcendent spot, I should say. And when you can touch those buttons, that nerve, you actually are accessing transcendence and simultaneously a certain form of joy. But the real joy, a joy with your life, a joy with yourself, recognizing your unique contribution. It's not arrogant joy. It's a joy that comes with deep humility, with a deep sense of service, deep sense of commitment. And it's completely achievable. And sometimes you need to be told, this is what you must do. If you're asked, you'll say, I'm not in the mood. But we're not talking about your mood. We're talking about what you're capable of. may not be your mood, may not be there, but you are capable of something greater. You have a responsibility to achieve that. You're in the middle of a battle zone. There's no time for moods. We have to forge ahead. And, if you, and, and you want to find the, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. That come, all of this comes, and what does it do? It creates a transcendent state. A state that you are celebrating something greater than yourself. So it's not that type of selfish joy. Okay, I'll bring you a cake. I'll bring you a cookie. I'll bring you some ice cream. I'll give you some other pleasure to indulge in, which will create some type of num- maybe numb the pain or give you some, uh, some temporary form of, uh, of, of, um, of relief. That will last as long as the sugar high lasts. We're talking about accessing something deeper because you're getting beyond yourself. You're seeing yourself as part of a bigger reality. That's transcendence, and that's what joy does. So transcendence brings joy, and joy is transcendence, brings transcendence. Transcendence is the way to go. And again, in case a person feels a lack of that, do something transcendent. Do something that's outside of yourself. And that, in turn, will give you some form of satisfaction. And stick to it. Because we're, we're not talking about temporary. We're not talking about short-term. We're talking about long-term. So, in this uh, few, last few weeks, we've been talking about the theme of joy and happiness. Each week, a different aspect of this uh, large and important vital concept and vital ingredient in a successful and meaningful life. And this is all part of the Meaningful Life Center. Meaningfullife.com, www.meaningfullife.com, where you can find these programs all live-streamed as well as archived, and many, many other resources on these topics. You just type in the word joy, happiness, you'll get a list of, of material to follow. And we welcome you. For those of you that are here for the first time, check it out. Why don't you browse to Meaningfullife.com. Just type in words... Whatever comes to mind, you'll be surprised at the results, the relevance, the diversity. And we'd love to hear your feedback, including your critique and comments and suggestions, how to improve. And we look at this as a partnership. We also need you, not just for your feedback. Well, I shouldn't say not just. Primarily for your feedback and your questions and your suggestions which help us grow, but also for financial support. Because all this costs money. So please consider dedicating a program in honor of a loved one, in memory of a loved one. It's a great way to connect to something that is transcendent and eternal. And it's my great honor and humble honor for all these years to be teaching this weekly program. Been doing it on location for many years. Now it's online until we will find a location shortly, which we're looking for. And meanwhile, take advantage of all the Array, the wide array of resources at MeaningfulLife.com. Every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. is a stream 
a new broadcast, which then is archived, which can be accessed by searching, as well as many other resources and materials and programs and online programs and so on. It's always an honor, a great honor to intersect. And to me, this is a great joy, a joy, because every connection creates more synergy. And how could you not be happy with that? The connections we have with each other, how we complement each other, despite our diversity, despite of maybe very different backgrounds and different persuasions and different ways of, life, ways of thinking, but we are all necessary, indispensable musical notes in a large cosmic composition. That is worth celebrating and dancing and singing to. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.